Well, it is so great to be with y'all on this wonderful day. Here we are. Of course, we're filming this service on a Monday, the day before the election. And of course, as we now are having church on this Sunday, we may know or may not know who our president is and other elected officials. But I just want to remind you to keep praying, to keep trusting God, to keep being civil, and just to continue to go forward in faith for what God wants to do in our life and through our life and through our nation. So this morning, we're going to continue in our series on Genesis in the beginning. And in part five today, we're going to look at what God did after the flood as we look at Genesis 7 and Genesis 8. Now, last week, we taught about four men uh, who God used in a mighty way when things seemed bleak in the society in which they lived in by reminding humanity that God is sovereign. I want you to always remember that no matter who's in the White House or what's going on or what this or that is entailing in our culture and our land, that God is sovereign and that God is still in control. Amen. I'm so thankful that God is still in control. And we learned about that through the lineage of Seth, Enosh, Enoch, and Noah. Now in Noah, we learned before the great flood in Genesis 6, 9 through 13, that Noah walked with God. He walked with God. And we discovered that he was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He, he was an obedient man for God. And he not only was a person who walked with God, but he was faithful to the work of God. He was faithful to the work of God in Genesis 6, 14 through 22, as he and his family built an ark. I'm so thankful they built an ark and not a park, amen. But while trusting God's covenant, they worked in getting the animals to eventually come into the ark and get settled in. Now, in Genesis 7, we discover that Noah was a secure man. There's something about being secure in the, in the things of God and being a secure individual and not being an insecure person. And Noah was a secure man and he was patient when it came to uh, God from the week before the flood to the day of reckoning. So we're going to read the scriptures found in Genesis 7 and you can follow along on the screen or you could, of course, uh, get your Bible and, and read along with us. It says this in Genesis 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark and you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven pairs of every clean animal, a male and his female, and two of the animals that are not clean, a male and, a, and his female. Also of the birds of the sky, seven pairs, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For, seven, for after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. So Noah acted in accordance with everything that the Lord had commanded upon him. Verse 6, Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and, and animals that are not clean, and birds and everything that crawls on the ground, they all went into the ark to Noah's by twos, male and female, as God commanded Noah. Now it came after the seven days that the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were open. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and on this very same day, Noah, Shem, Hap, and Japheth, the son of Noah, and Noah's wives and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every animal according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, all sorts of birds. Verse 15, so they went into the ark by twos of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. 
Those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him. The Lord closed the door behind him. Then the flood came upon the earth for forty days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed fifteen cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. So all the creatures that moved on the earth perished, birds, livestock, animals, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind, of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. So he wiped out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from mankind to animals to crawling things and the birds of the sky, and they were wiped out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those who were with him in the ark. The water prevailed upon the earth for one hundred and fifty days. Now we just read Genesis 7, and it took Noah, but prior to that, it took Noah about a hundred years to build the ark. And there was enough room in the ark for some scholars believe up to 125,000 animals if needed, as well as people. But the people during that time that Noah was building the ark refused to listen to Noah while he was ministering to them while he was also building the ark at the same time. And of course, he was telling them that they could escape the judgment from, from God when the rain and the great flood was coming upon the earth. And now, now, one of the things that I remember growing up is a lot of times we would see the nursery uh, pictures of Noah and we'd see the two of them going in into the ark and so forth. But it's pretty interesting that most of the time, even though we think of two animals going into the ark, male and female, God commanded him to collect seven, and more likely seven pairs of every clean animal and two of a pair of every unclean animal. And God gave, and God even gave humanity one more week to respond to Noah and the plea that he was saying for them to come into the ark because of the flood and the rain that was coming their way. But again, no one responded to him. He even gave them an opportunity to repent up to the last minute of that time. But again, none came forward to the call of God. Now, no one had ever seen rain before. And from the rain of, of the 40 days and 40 nights to the great flood, the entire flood lasted one year and 10 days from the beginning to the end that we read about in Genesis 7:11 through 8:14. And I want you to understand that the great flood is not a myth. It is not some fairy tale. It is not a fable. It is a literal historical event. The flood was so devastating that the highest mountain was submerged under 22 feet of water. Now we know that the ark eventually landed on Mount Ararat, which is in modern day Turkey somewhere, which is about 17,000 feet high. And the water covered the entire planet, not just some small geographical region that some claim that it, that it was. It was the entire earth. Now church, I want you to understand that when God's judgment is done, His mercy will always come next. God will always rescue His people from His wrath. I want you to remember that today as we are continuing to go forward in this thing called life. Now, have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been lost or have you ever lost something? Well, I remember as a child that um, this was back in the days when the buses would literally drop you off in front of your house. And as an elementary kid, I remember the bus dropping me off in my house and of course the bus went away and I went to my door of my home and I knocked on the door and I'm expecting my mom to open the door and maybe have some Mexican food or a taco or something for me or a Twinkie. But of course I knocked and no one answered the door. I knocked again and no one answered the door. And then I looked around in our driveway and I noticed that my dad's car wasn't there and my mom's car wasn't there. And I thought as a little six year old kid, I have been abandoned. I've been forgotten. My parents left on vacation or 
went somewhere fun and totally abandoned me and forgot about that I'm gonna be home from school at this particular time. So what do you think I did as a little kid? Well, I knocked on my door and I realized no one was home. Now this was before Home Alone was ever even conceived or thought about and what ended up happening was I ended up crying profusely. I ended up just bawling my eyes out because I realized I had been abandoned, I had been forsaken, my parents weren't around and in that process of my parents not being around, I just lost it in my front yard. Now across the street there was an elderly man who saw my, my drama, my telemundo or whatever it may have been and, and as he saw me he realized that I was lost. He realized that I had been forsaken in that moment. So this elderly man said to me, he waved to me to come over to his house and I didn't know this man but he was our neighbor. And thank God that he was there and thank God he was a nice gentleman. He ended up taking me into his home and he, he made me a hot dog and, and, and uh, just blessed me while I was waiting for my mom and, and, and just comforted me in that moment of, of distress and said, hey, your mom's gonna be back, don't worry about it. And you know, I was sniffling and crying and so forth. But God used this man and eventually my mom came home and uh, the man saw that my mom had driven back up into the house and what had happened was my mom went to the school to get me. I didn't know that. I thought I was supposed to take the bus and so I ended up getting home and of course she wasn't home because she thought I was at school waiting for her and then of course I thought when I got home she was waiting for me. But thank God that there was someone there to comfort me. And when you're going through a time in your life when you feel forsaken, God remembers you. That man saw me across the street he could have just laughed and said, oh that poor little Mexican kid, God bless his heart. You know, I'm just going to record this and put it on, on um, you know, who knows what it was back in those days. You know, I don't know what it was. It wasn't Facebook, that's for sure. Uh, maybe it was MySpace or something like that, or Waste of Space. But the bottom line is this, that in that moment, he saw me and remembered to help me in my difficult situation. And that's the same thing that God did in Genesis 8, verse 1a. It says, but God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. A lot of times when we hear the word remember, it's a little bit different in the passage of Genesis 8, 1a. It doesn't mean to call something to mind that you've forgotten about. Like there's times that you remember like maybe, oh no, I forgot the stove or oh my gosh, I left it on when we left the house or oh my gosh, I, I didn't lock the car or I didn't lock the house or something like that. And, and you remember and it calls something to mind that you had forgotten about. Or you were on the way home and you realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to get this certain thing on the grocery list that my spouse asked me to get. And that's what we think of when we think of, well, God remembered Noah and we think, oh, you know, God was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about Noah and the flood and all that. No, 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 no. Rather in this passage, the word remember means to pay attention to. It means to fulfill a promise or act on behalf of somebody. I want you to understand, friends, that God remembered Abraham. God remembered Abraham and rescued Lot from destruction in Sodom. He paid attention to the situation that was at hand. God remembered both Rachel and, and Hannah and enabled them to conceive and to bear sons. Again, God remembered them and fulfilled a promise in their life. Another thing is God remembered his covenant and delivered the Jews from the bondage of Egypt. He acted on their behalf in that situation. God will always pay attention to you. God will always desires, he always desires to fulfill the promises he has given you and act on your behalf no matter how difficult the situation may be. Can you imagine being on an ark with all those animals and with all that drama and with all those circumstances for 40 days and 40 nights and then beyond that it was over a year, that means 365 days plus another 10. Now Noah and his family and the animals were together in the ark for that long, over a year. And think about it friends, was there times perhaps that they got impatient with each other? 
you know, some of you have been quarantined with your family and, and you began to get on patient with one another. Maybe it was after day four or five of the first two weeks back in March and you were dealing with that, that, that struggle of impatient of maybe of, of being impatient of wanting to go do things or go to the park and you couldn't do certain things. Well, can you imagine Noah and his family and the animals being together for over a year on that place? Maybe they felt like God didn't care for them. Maybe there was times where they were grumbling and complaining in the ark. I don't know, but the emotions we feel as humans can be very raw. They can be very real. And, and the Bible declares that God remembered them and the animals. And God will never forsake his people, not only because of his promises, but because of the character of God. We need to remember in the middle of what we're facing about the character of God. Sometimes we don't understand the hand of God, but we can trust the heart of God. Amen. God is all about love and where love is, there is the faithfulness of the almighty God. So as we wrap up today, there's four specific things that God did in Genesis 8. And the first thing is this, God renewed his world. He renewed his world. Have you ever renewed a piece of furniture? Have you ever renewed a car? Have you ever renewed a home or a specific part of your home? And you took pictures of the before and then the after. Well, in the process of the flood happening and, and the rain happening, and of course, and then the flood happening, God renewed his world. Genesis 8, 1 through 14 says, But God remembered Noah and all the animals and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God caused the wind to pass over the earth and the waters subside. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water decreased. Then in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And the water decreased steadily until the tenth month, and the tenth month on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Verse 6, Then it came at about at the end of the forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up, up from the earth. Verse 8, Then he sent out a dove to see if the water was low on the surface of the land, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of its, feet, of its foot. So it returned to him in the ark, for the water was on the surface of the earth. Then he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark to himself. So he waited another seven days longer and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening and behold its beak was with a fresh olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was low on the earth. Then he waited another seven days longer and sent out, a dove, sent out the dove. But it did not return to him again. Now it came about in the six hundred and first year in the first month on the first of the month that the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground had dried up. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Now, friends, I want you to understand something. The flood greatly altered the contours of the land. It created new areas for the water to fill, both on the, the surface of the earth and the underground. And the winds and the sun began to evaporate the water, and, and also it moved to the places God had provided for it to go. I want you to remember, church, that God is powerful enough to not only cover the earth with water, but he's also wise or smart enough to know how to dispose of it when its work was done. The second thing we see that God did after the flood was not only did he renew the world, but God blesses the faithful. God blesses the faithful. Genesis 8, 15 through 19 says, as we begin, we just learned that God blesses the faithful. It says this, then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every crawling thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Now Noah was faithful to walk with God 
when the people of the world were ignoring and disobeying him. And by obeying, they were, he was obeying to do the will of God. You see, Noah worked with God. He witnessed for God when opposition to the truth was, was not really there. He exercised faith to wait on God before leaving the ark. And by obeying the will of God, he knew that it not only involved doing the right thing in the right way for the right motive, but it also meant doing it at the right time. And because of Noah's faith, God rewarded him. Now, the third thing God did after the great flood was God inhabits worship. He inhabits worship just like men love the smell of a good barbecue like we had last weekend with those tacos that were being made and the barbecue and just the aroma and the smell. It was just like, oh, it was amazing. Or just like a woman loves the aroma of a bouquet of fresh flowers, God loves the aroma of the sweet fragrance of praise and worship. Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every kind of clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Not only did God renew his world, not only did God bless the faithful, but God inhabits his worship. Now, what did Noah do once he stepped out of the ark? He stood on a cleansed earth. What's the first thing he did? He was so thankful that Noah's first act was to lead his family in worship. He built an altar and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Whether we're coming out of a time of suffering or we've received great blessings or, or merely we're just going through the worship. Let me tell you something, friends. Worship is the key. It is the key. Worship was central to Noah's life. And it should be the same for us as God's people. You see, Noah walked with God. He worked with God. He witnessed for God. He waited upon the Lord, but he always chose to worship the living God. Now, Noah's sacrifice was not just any offering. It was a burnt offering. And by giving the entire animal and bird to the Lord with nothing kept back, he laid it all on the altar. Why? Because it was the biblical law. This type of sacrifice that Noah did symbolized his total dedication to God. Noah and his family saw how God provided for them. They saw how God protected them. They saw how God preserved them during the storm. And from that sacrifice and from that worship at the altar, the Lord was so pleased with the aroma of worship that he made a promise. He made a promise. Now, if God refused to smell the fragrance of the offering, it meant that he would be displeased with what the worshipers were bringing to him. But he was not displeased, but rather he inhabited the praises of his people. And God was pleased with that situation. And from that, he said he would never flood the earth again. I want to encourage you, friends, to worship the Lord. Worship God with your lifestyle and song. Worship the Lord during this time of, of, of season of our lives. And finally, the last thing God did after the flood, according to Genesis 8, 21 through 22, is God reaffirmed the natural orders. He reaffirmed the natural orders. Genesis 8, 21 through 22 says, The Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Church, listen to me this, this, this day. The ground was cursed no more by God's grace. It was cursed no more by God's grace. He decided not to add more to humanity's afflictions. And how is that? It's because there would be no more universal floods. Again, remember, this was not a regional flood. This was an entire earth flood. The flood wiped out transgressions, but it can't change people's sinful hearts. And that choice is up to us in terms of what we do. And God responded to Noah's sacrifice by saying he would not cause a universal flood or cause the ground, curse the ground anymore. 
Yes, God will still judge sin today like he did back then and due to the consequences of our sinful nature. And one of the greatest judgment God sends to sinners is to let them have their own way and then pay for it on their own lives. When they choose not to repent to God or turn from their wicked ways, that is when the wrath of God can literally fall. And God said that the cycle of nature would not be interrupted again. And the flood interrupted the normal cycles of season, but that would never be repeated. You see, the guarantee in Genesis 8.22 gives us hope. It gives us courage during this time, friends, as we face an unknown future. Don't take for granted the rainbows that you see in life or the rainbow. Don't take for granted the times when you are out at the Pacific Ocean or in Coronado or wherever it may be and you see the beautiful sunrises or the gorgeous sunsets that we're having in this month of November or all creation. They preach constantly to us day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of God's loving care. Think about that, friends. 1 Kings 8.56 says, There has not failed one word of all of His good promises. Let me say that to you again. 1 Kings 8.56 says, There has not failed one word of all of His good promises. Let me pray for you at this time. And I just want you to bow your head for a moment or just kind of pause where you're at to just think about these questions. Are you walking with God today? Noah walked with God. Are you being faithful to the work that God has given you in your schoolwork or your family responsibilities or chores or the careers where you work at? Um, or the church you go to, are you serving? Are you giving? Are you participating? Are you being faithful to the work just like Noah was? Only you know the answer to that. Secondly, is there an area where God is calling you to be more patient in? Maybe you're frustrated with something in this thing called life or something that's happened this past week and God wants to teach you patience and to wait on Him. Noah waited on God for a hundred years while he was building the ark and continued to minister to people that, were being, that didn't even want to listen to his message. And during that process, perhaps God wants you to worship Him or serve Him in the process of waiting and learning to be patient. Number three, do you feel forgotten in a certain area of your life and you need God to come to your rescue and you need God to remember you the way He did with Noah? Not like, oh, there's Troy, I remember him. No, but there's a promise He gave you. There's something that He wants to do in your life. He wants to bring to fruition and you know what that is and you're praying and you're trusting God to do that. And finally, do you want to give control of your life to Christ as your personal Lord and Savior either for the first time or you want to rededicate your life to Him? I want to pray with you today. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends that are listening this morning, Lord, or, or today, that, Lord, maybe there's some that aren't walking with You. and Today they would choose to walk with You, Lord God, that they would choose to be obedient and not disobedient to You. I pray for those that maybe You're challenging them to be faithful to their work, Maybe it's their schoolwork. Maybe it's the family responsibilities or chores or the career where they work at, Lord God. Or maybe the church that they go to. You're calling all of us to be faithful in a certain area. Whether it's serving, giving, or participating in the church. Or, or God, taking our, our career to another level by realizing that we don't work for man, but we work for you, O oh God. Or maybe we want to study to show ourselves approved unto you, Lord. Or maybe in our family responsibilities, we want to honor our father and our mother. We want to be faithful to the work that you've called us to do, Lord. Maybe there's people that are listening and they're struggling with being patient or waiting on you, Lord God. And I pray that during this process of waiting, that they would worship you, God, 
that they would worship you and through the worship that the chains and the shackles that are holding them down would begin to fall, Lord Jesus, or maybe serve you, that they would take the talent and realize that in this process of wanting to be great, they must first be a servant of all. Or maybe there's some that feel forgotten, just like I did as a little kid while I was waiting for my mom or didn't know where my mom was or my dad was at that time. And God, they feel abandoned, they feel forsaken, they feel alone, Jesus. God, I thank you that you're in the rescue business. I thank you, Lord God, that just like you remembered Noah, you were remembering them right now. And he who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it, God. Minister to your people today. And finally, Lord, maybe there's someone that wants to give control of their life to you, Jesus, for the very first time, or they want to rededicate their life to you. And if that's you, just repeat this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteous acts. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross and you rose from the grave three days later. Then I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and thank you for forgiving me of my sins and cleansing me of all unrighteous acts in the name of Jesus. And so God, as we wrap up today's message, Lord, we realize and we learn what you did after the flood. And no matter what kind of floods we face in this thing called life, God, you have a purpose, you have a plan, whether it's to restore, whether it's to bless Jesus, whether it's to um, remember, or Lord God, it's for us just to worship you and for you to inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, we thank you that you will reaffirm and bring all things together for the good for those that love the Lord and that are called to his purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, here's Monty with the Magnificent with some words and then a giving living moment for me. Have a great day. God bless you.